0: Welcome to the Lumpin' Week in Review, the show that presents the best of Lumpin' Radio each week. This week, we chatted about eco-sexuality, learned about the real costs of work, and dove into the turmoil in Brazil. All this plus the latest from Eureka Cast Now, Size Matters, and The Biden Files. It's the Lumpin' Week in Review for April 3rd, 2021. Nancy Clem spoke to the ecosexuals, Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens. The duo explored their mission of making the environmental movement more sexy, fun, and diverse through film, art, performance, and writing. Spontaneous Vegetation with Nancy Clem airs every other Sunday at 5 p.m.
1: On a previous take of this, uh, of this interview, I was asking you how you got to that term. And I think you could speak either together or again individually about um, your arrival uh, of this term that could help hold uh, your vast and ever-expanding interests in connecting.
2: (laughs) It just started with an art project because we're two artists in love, and we decided we were going to marry the earth and invite uh, people to create a big wedding happening, and 150 people... Uh, answered our call for collaborators, and 400 people came. It was a big love fest, and we took vows
3: to love, honor, and cherish the earth. Until death brings us closer together forever. And uh, this wedding was in 2008, and it was at the University of California, Santa Cruz, where I I teach. I was actually the chair of the department then, so I could funnel some funds to the wedding. (laughs) So we had a great... We had a great, wonderful love fest in the redwood trees of California and the mountains of Santa Cruz. It was truly a love fest. and. Uh All kinds of students participated and professors participated and friends of ours and sex workers and artists and the trees and the animals and the earthworms. It was incredible. And the banana slugs. We can't forget them. (laughs) Our dog, Bob. Yeah, it was a love fest. And we woke up the
2: next day and we're like... Wow, that what was that? powerful. <laughs> what are we now? Who are we now? So we, that term <laughs> ecosexual was kind of floating around as a kind of dating term a little bit. And we just took that ball and, and rolled it. Yeah. And, and we've been ecosexual ever since. We keep thinking that art project must be over by now, but it just keeps opening new doors.
3: Earlier today, we were had a, a visiting artist Uh, Talk with some artists in Zagreb, uh, Croatia, and we did a wedding to the Earth at the end, because right after that 2008 wedding in Santa Cruz, we were invited to come to Zagreb, and it was the the first same sex wedding that you know public same sex wedding that had been done there, and there were death threats and all kinds of stuff, but we just had a a big love fest with the Earth in Croatia. I mean, everybody loves the Earth. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a bit taboo and controversial,
2: of course, to marry non human yeah, entities. Those nature prohibitions. And it's fun to, <laughs> people can make fun of it, laugh at it, but we just laugh right
3: along with it. We them. sure do, because it's funny as hell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, you have married the earth, the sky, the soil, the Appalachian Mountains, even the sedimentary rock coal. Yes. And, and many other nature entities. And uh in these collaborative performance art weddings. What does it mean to commit to such uh, a, a variety of partners?
2: <laughs> well, we say we say we're pollen amorous. That's P-O-L-L-E-N. Right. Pollen amorous. Um we think in terms of ecosystems now and uh, complex relationships. So we love each other, Beth and I. We've been together 19 years, and we love our communities. We married our community <laughs> also. Uh, uh. And uh, but we we did perform these weddings in 19 countries the big ones Whoa. and in like I know we did 19 weddings in like I don't know nine countries I think it was we had that was a lot but uh, we just <laughs> fell more in love with all of with the sky the sea and you know made new friends and and but each wedding celebrated like, that entity so we fell more in love with we explored through art these different entities so like coal for example was in Gijon, spain which was coal country and we explored coal through art and and everyone it's not just us being brides anyone at the event can marry coal also and and it's just very powerful to commit your love to something non-human, but humans are part of eco-sex too, of course.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think this is Beth now, Um, you know, to realize that this earth, and that, you know, as human beings, as part of this earth, we are so exquisitely complex and all of these different elements and beings are really necessary to make the whole thing work. And so we're really celebrating the parts of the whole, but it's so important to work for the good of the whole. And that's, I think that what we're trying to bring together, um, you know, in the overall project is that everything is important that everyone's important and that we all need each other. And uh, to, to get to act out that need through love is really amazing. I mean, we've just been really, really lucky. To be able to do this project, it's almost like the project has a life of its own. I mean, we were asked to do two other weddings. We did a wedding to a lake in in, uh, Finland called Lake Calavesi, and then we married the soil in Austria. And then you must know Amy Franceschini and the future farmers, right? sure. Yeah, she had us. She she actually engaged us to marry the fog at UC Santa Cruz again, which was a really beautiful, wonderful wedding. Mm-hmm. Even though that was the, that was the last performance we did before the the lockdown happened, um, it was sort of perfect. We married the fog on leap year, and then boom, COVID comes along, and uh, now I think we're going to marry a, a burned out forest in Colorado because we're working with fire right now, and. Um, I think we're going to get married to the burned out forests in Colorado. And the project just won't, won't, it just has a life of its own. It's kind of well, what's, crazy. What's fun is, you know, the wedding
2: is a ritual. And and we take the... Everybody knows the narrative of wedding and they're flower girls Western and there's wedding. rings and there's, yeah, different traditions. But uh, we take the best and we use the parts we like and we twist them and play with them and make them our eco-sexual and make them queer and make them, of course, um, yeah, performance art So... Um, but our love has grown
3: to cosmic proportions, I could say, and <laughs> we have married the moon and the sun. Oh, and the other,
2: yeah! The other thing that happened is we started expanding our ideas of what sex is to really interesting, uh, in interesting ways, and that's part of our mission: is to bring more pleasure through the senses uh, by getting your eco sexuality. On your ecosexual gaze on, and that's been really fun. And we redefined orgasm to make it more ecosexual. And we've we just have done a lot of projects uh, under this ecosexual uh,
3: mantle theme. Theme. We're also really interested in give and take and reciprocity. Rather than just taking and taking and taking, so you know, in that way, we're a little bit anti-capitalist because um, you know we don't care about making a profit, which which is uh, yeah. I mean, we would like to make a profit, but we can't seem to because we're more interested in reciprocity, right? <laughs> but we want to give back instead of just taking. Like we don't care what our GPA is, you know, is whatever it is. <laughs> Gross, domestic, GDP, we don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, you probably don't care about GPAs either, though.
3: Yeah, oh, no, yeah, oh, that was an academic slip. <laughs> I don't, I hate grades. <laughs> you know, I started teaching at Santa Cruz when they didn't have grades, and they should have kept it that way.
1: Oh, my. So uh-huh. so you, um, Beth, you grew up in West Virginia, and... Oh. Um, and I'd like to hear a little bit more about your your growing up in West Virginia in coal country, and the film you made, Goodbye Golly Mountain, about right. um, mountaintop removal. Can you talk about how some of your eco sexuality was birthed as a child, and how you've m- moved it into some of the activism or artivism
3: that you do? Sure. Well, I grew up on a little hill in Fayette County, West Virginia. And I mean, it was in the middle of nowhere. And, um, my father and his brothers and all his family, you know, it was a big family business. They had a machine shop for coal mining. And so, um, you know, I was familiar with coal mining and how the earth could give us, you know, basically in West Virginia, we called it black gold and, uh, um, you know, you had to go out into these places that were very far away from any kind of, uh, you know, so-called civilization. But I, f- I felt like the woods and the river and the, you know, all of these godforsaken places were civilization. I mean, I, I just really loved. I loved being outside. And my grandparents had a farm over the mountains in Virginia. So this was all in southwestern Virginia and southwest southern West Virginia. And um, I just, you know, I can still just feel like what it was like to go swimming in these rivers and these ponds and these lakes and um, just drinking out of a spring water, you know, and uh, hanging out with the cattle in the field and the horse and the, you know, the dogs and the chickens. <laughs> I just <laughs> loved all that stuff. And, you know, even like, I mean, I understood the kinds of relationships that people had, you know, with hunting deer and hunting birds and um, you know, I, 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 don't have a problem with hunting, you know, if you're hunting to feed yourself, if you're hunting for sustenance, I mean, I just, or farming for sustenance, you know? And I mean, I grew up, I, there was, there wasn't really industrial farming where I grew up because nobody had that kind of money or land, but, um, I found it really beautiful and really sensual and really satisfying. And then I got the art bug and, um, I went to, uh, I went up to the Northeast and I sort of learned to be embarrassed about where I was from, which that didn't last super long because I didn't, I never even walked into a museum until I was about 17. So (laughs) I was like, oh wow, what's this museum thing all these New Yorkers are talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was kind of, it was really, I was very naive. Um, I realized in retrospect, but, um, and then I spent a few decades being embarrassed about that and I thought, You know, I had the best museum in the world. I had the Earth,
4: you know.
5: Go take my love baby, take my car, play my heart string baby, like electric guitar, when you need my love, say I'm not very far, play my heart string baby, like electric, take my love, take my hand. Take my love, baby, you don't even really care
0: Dave Zirin interviewed labor journalist Sarah Jaffe about her new book, Work Won't Love You Back. Jaffe discussed how Americans' devotion to their jobs keeps us exhausted, exploited, and alone. Labor Express, the only current affairs program for working people by working people, airs Sundays at 8 p.m.
6: Before I was a journalist full-time, I was in in various jobs in retail and food service and all of that stuff. And, like, I, when I finally finished journalism school, got a job in this benighted industry. Um, my working conditions kind of hadn't changed that much. And that was like a wake up call, I guess, that made me start thinking about this stuff, that like the idea of loving your job might actually have more in it for your boss than it does for you.
7: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, Sarah, I sent you um, an article earlier today that was a 1981 expose from, I think, like the Tampa Bay Times of a word that's not exactly in vogue the these days, and that's workaholism or being a workaholic. And they were talking about it as if it was, you know, something that you need to fight to avoid, that it was bad for you. And I want to <laughs> ask you, that was 1981. I want to ask you, Why and how have we changed so much since 1981 from workaholism to passion and all the things you describe in your book?
6: The article is like how parents can spot a future workaholic plus a self-test on workaholism. Here, <laughs> I haven't pulled up, of course, on my desktop because I'm obsessed with it. A number of journalists could have been handed this assignment. We all know journalists have a high number of workaholics in their ranks. Uh, it's so amazing because it's like literally all of this stuff that they're they're listing off as these traits of being a workaholic are now just like what you're supposed to say about yourself in a job interview you know when they do that thing where they're like oh so what's your biggest flaw and you're just like i just i just love my job so much that that's my biggest flaw um i i find this so fascinating of course this is 1981 right this is the year that ronald reagan broke the air traffic controllers union um so much has changed that has a lot to do with ronald reagan breaking that air traffic controllers union and the you know, the shift from the sort of industrial era work ethic of, you know, you go to your job, you get paid. As this article says, it's something like, um, where is it? 95% of the adult population will quickly admit they work only to live. The other 5%, those who live to work, are workaholics. <laughs> um Yeah, because that's like the holdover of like, yeah, when you go to work in the factory or whatever, then you, you, nobody expects you to, to like it, although these days apparently they do. And the shift in all of this, right, the breaking of union power, like Reagan and the air traffic controllers, um, the deindustrialization, the rise of the service sector, the caring sector um, as much more predominant forms of work, like all of this has totally scrambled how we think about work. in the trade-off that we've essentially been given in exchange for like busting the unions, getting rid of the stable jobs and bringing in, you know, the gig economy and contingent work in a variety of, of places and, and ways is that we're supposed to like it now. Work is cool, you can maybe be your own boss and like, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And all of this garbage is essentially like the trade-off that we get for giving up security and apparently giving up the idea that like working all the damn time was maybe a bad thing.
7: Mm. Yeah. What industries that you see right now um, are particularly susceptible to, I guess we could call it um, emotional class manipulation Mm -hmm. of your, you know, of, uh, of your work ethic, basically?
6: Yeah, I mean, so I, in, in the book, I trace this to sort of um, two places. And one is the way we talk about women's unpaid work in the home. And the other is the way we talked about sort of artists as as unique special magical geniuses. And this connects up to the sports question, which we'll get to. Mm. But like, so the one that I'm thinking about the most these days though, is teachers, right? Because every newspaper in the country, I think, has written at least, has run at least one op-ed and probably an editorial board, you know, actual opinion piece and all of these other things about how the teachers need to just get back in the classroom and it's safe and follow the science, often like running like literally right next to an article about how um, COVID cases are up, especially among younger adults. And like, I was literally reading both of these things in the Chicago Tribune this morning. So I'm I'm freshly thinking about this. And like, the so this round of blaming teachers, like kids are going to fall behind if they're learning remotely and they need to get back in the classroom and it's safe, the CDC says it's safe. The CDC, which is changing its regulations based on, you know, the political pressure because Biden wants all the schools open in his first 100 days, even as again, COVID numbers are back up because it turns out when you reopen restaurants for indoor dining, infection numbers go up. I know you all are very shocked. So. Blaming teachers, though, has a really long history, and it's really gendered, right? And I love the way that Megan Erickson wrote about this in her book, Class War, where she talks about the failure of teachers being like the failure of mothers. It makes you not just, like, bad at your job, but like a bad person. And this kind of, like you said, like emotional class manipulation, um is used so intensely like don't you care about the kids and if you cared about the kids you basically won't care if you die a lingering horrible death of COVID 19 as long as your kids test scores get back up
7: Mm -hmm.
6: and like you know it's the same story we've been hearing about the way people have talked about teachers for the last several decades and you know recently teachers unions have actually been doing a good job of pushing back on that um John and I were talking before we turned this up, the last time I did a, a Haymarket Books event was with uh, Stacey Davis Gates of the Chicago Teachers Union and Sarah Nelson of the Flight Attendance Union. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I talked to Stacey for a story not that long ago and she was saying like, I've never seen a school that could make up for systemic failures of government, but they expect us to do it every time.
7: Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, I was just, I mean, I was just hoping you could build on that because I wanted to ask you, Um, how teachers ideologically combat that while retaining their solidarity and their union power.
6: Yeah, I had so much fun because I write about teachers and their labor a lot. This is obviously um, a major part of of militancy in the labor movement in the last 10 years has been led by teachers. But I did some history reading that I hadn't read before when working on this book. And I found like so many times over the course of the last hundred years of teachers unions in America, that over and over they find a few of the same things work and that is organizing in the community as well as in the union organizing alongside parents and students organizing alongside like working class issues and around racial justice so like the early chicago teachers um well before collective bargaining were doing things like researching who wasn't paying their taxes in the city in order to find the funding for the schools um the communist teachers union in new york city just called the teachers union was doing things like writing culturally relevant curricula for their students of color in the 1930s and 1940s like wow. well before the thing we call ethnic studies and they were getting red baited out of the schools for it but you know we'll leave that alone um so over and over again the things that they find that work are the same things that like the Chicago teachers, the Los Angeles teachers, the Massachusetts teachers, the West Virginia teachers that are, are leading the labor movement now have been doing. And that's like working with their students and their students, parents, identifying all the places that like the vast, as Stacy said, like the, the failures of government that are screwing up people's lives so that in the last, um, contract fight the chicago teachers were bargaining around getting funding for homeless students and insisting that that was something they could bring to the bargaining table um, the los angeles teachers were bargaining around um, green space around the school so kids could actually have places to go outside and play they also tried to bring housing demands because of the school owned property that they were saying you should use to build affordable housing um, this kind of thing that that you know they've bargained around restorative justice um certainly ethnic studies curricula and other um you know language programs all of these things that are demands that like their students and their parents brought to them and that you know it it renders sort of useless this idea that like these teachers don't care about the kids when the kids are on the picket lines with them yeah you know, you can't win over the kids by being like, oh, your teacher doesn't care about you. And they're like, yeah, she does. She brings me food every week.
8: Size matters. Size matters. With Kyle Hey there, my producer. Are you sick? No, it's allergies. Ah, jeez, you sound like the Trekkers after a three-day marching powder binge. Ugh, I know, it's awful. I know, guys. Kyle, have you noticed how many episodes start with I knows a guy or this dude over here? Uh, no, what's your point? You've never noticed anything weird? Uh, no. Like, I... I don't have a recorder, and yet these episodes keep appearing. And we seem to keep moving from... Ugh, jeez. Scenario to scenario, I... I I mean, do you ever wonder if we're, like, inside a simulation or something? Huh. No, everything seems all right. I mean, uh, we beat the digital end in that simulation back in that Size Matters 71, and, and that was, like, 17 episodes ago if I can do Matt right. I mean, that's what I mean. We keep talking in episodes and making references no one cares about. Listen, and- Jess, I got what's going to cure your allergies, I swear. Now <sighs> you got to come see this guy. I'm just this is just going to be a mess of sound effects and then a jump cut. Do you see what I mean? I mean, how did we even get here? Right, we we'll, we'll walked the entire way from the copro. Uh, you got a burrito at Martinez, and I didn't even get a bite, so don't oh, even... Oh,
0: yeah, I still have that half in my pocket.
8: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: hand-warming
8: burrito. Anyway, this is Pooper's place. Uh, Everyone in Undertown swears by him. His name is what? I don't know, like Steve or something, but... Uh, we all could call them poopers. I'll, you'll Certainly see why. I'm
6: not super sure about
9: this, Kyle. Oh, whoa, 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 what is that smell? That is the
8: medicines. Hey, poops, what's oh, going on? God, it smells like Sasquatch's socks
9: dying in That's here. the natural medicines.
8: My producer here's got some allergies. Maybe
9: you could, uh... The eye. allergies of Bridgeport. Yes, the dab and the trees and the bowl. Ugh,
1: seriously, what is that smell?
9: It is a secret substance blended right here of all natural excretions. Yes, I'm
8: telling you, I had cancer and poop was he cleared it right up. I cannot believe
9: that. Let me just smear a little of this here and here under your nostrils. Just breathe deep.
1: Oh, it smells awful.
8: That's the medication. Oh, I think I'm going to puke. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. Hey. Wait a minute, I stopped sneezing.
9: You just put a little of this on your lip every morning for a few minutes and no more allergies. What's in it? It's a proprietary blend. I can't believe more people don't
8: use these natural methods. I hate that this is working.
9: I just wish we could spread the message to more people. Well, maybe we can.
6: Do you think this is really a good idea?
8: Al well, Pooper says this is the way he gets the immunity, hers. Uh,
6: by smearing whatever this gross gunk is under people's doors?
8: It's genius. Everyone touches it, they get the immunity. I, I'm just not sure. You're so pedestrian. We're going to be I, hailed as heroes. I, I'm just not sure. Listen, you take a couple bags of this, and I'll take a couple bags of this, and we'll start hitting these door
9: handles. But is
0: this really
9: dog Not entirely. Oh, my God, I'm
10: going to be sick. No, you're not. Your allergies are solved.
11: This week on The Biden Files, Georgia passes a sweeping bill to limit voting and Biden calls it sick. Dominion sues Fox. A key Trump ally is investigated over child sex trafficking. Deborah Burks calls Trump responsible for 400,000 deaths. Infrastructure Week actually happens, and the GOP frets over voting reform, saying the left is evil. These are The Biden Files. Day 66, March 26th. The Republican controlled Georgia's legislature has passed a sweeping bill to limit voting access. The bill, the first in the nation to dramatically overhaul voting in the wake of an election that saw Democrats flip that state at the presidential and Senate levels, will now head to the desk of Governor Brian Kemp, a Republican who is expected to sign it. The bill comes amid a move in Republican-controlled state legislatures to greatly restrict voting access, largely due to Trump's false claims about voter fraud in 2020. President Biden called those efforts sick and un-American and cast them as attempts to undermine democracy. Biden, who was speaking in his first news conference, also said he supported abandoning the filibuster, saying it was being abused in the Senate. Three voting advocacy groups, meanwhile, sued Georgia state officials over the new law, claiming it will unconstitutionally restrict the voting rights of all Georgians while disproportionately impacting black voters. The defendants include Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and four members of the state election board. Unemployment claims dropped to a pandemic-era low as initial claims for state benefits fell last week to 657,000. That is a decrease of 100,000 from the previous week. The Fed cautioned, however, that despite an expected summer boom, hiring remains tepid as few employers are willing to get ahead of activity. Dominion Voting Systems has filed a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News, alleging the network intentionally aired false claims that the company had rigged the 2020 election in order to boost its ratings. It is the second major suit against Fox News. A rival technology company, Smartmatic, has also sued Fox over election claims for a similar sum of money. Dominion claims that Fox News and several of its on-air personalities promoted baseless claims that the company had manipulated its machines to benefit President Biden. Those same claims were repeatedly pushed by Trump's lawyers, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, during multiple appearances on Fox programs. Dominion has also sued Giuliani, Powell and the MyPillow CEO, Mike Lindell, all for defamation. Democrats introduced the DeJoy Act to block a piece of Postmaster General Louis DeJoy's 10-year restructuring plan for the post office. The Delivering Envelopes Judiciously On Time Year-Round Act would prohibit the postal service from lengthening mail delivery windows and require that it adhere to current service standards. The White House canceled a 50-person indoor party the Interior Department was planning to celebrate Secretary Deb Haaland's confirmation after senior officials raised concerns had become a super-spreader event. Day okay, 67, March 27th. Trump delivered a bizarre speech at his Florida resort, turning what was supposed to be a toast into a young couple being married there. It instead devolved into a rambling complaint about President Biden's policy towards Iran and China, the situation at the border with Mexico, and more false claims of voter fraud. Trump was quoted as saying, you know, you saw what happened a few days ago. It was terrible. And uh, the border is not good. The border is the worst anybody's ever seen it. And what you see now multiply it times 10. I just say, do you miss me yet? We did get 75 million votes. Nobody." ever gotten that they said get 66 million votes sir and the election's over we got 75 million and they said but you know you saw what happened 10:30 in the evening all of a sudden i said that's a strange thing why are they closing up certain places right now a lot of things happening right now i just wanted to say it's an honor to be here it's an honor to have you at mar-a-lago you are a great and beautiful couple have fun Russian hackers apparently gained access to email accounts belonging to Trump's entire cybersecurity staff who were responsible for identifying threats from foreign countries. Those accounts were accessed as part of the SolarWinds hack. Major, one of the president's two German Shepherds, was involved in another biting incident at the White House this week. He nipped someone while on a walk, said the Press Secretary for First Lady Joe Biden. The President and First Lady also have another German Shepherd, Champ, who so far has not generated any biting-related headlines. Day 68, March 28th. Dr. Deborah Burke said she received a very uncomfortable and very difficult phone call from Trump following her public warnings on COVID-19 spread well i think you've heard other conversations that people have posted with the president i would say it was even more direct than what people have heard it was very uncomfortable very direct and very difficult to hear Burks went on to say she believed the former president's actions led to hundreds of thousands of needless deaths she also said trump had lied about testing availability Burks subsequently went on a nationwide tour undercover so as to quote stay off the national news trump bizarrely believed that announcing rising case numbers made him look bad. In response, the Biden administration announced it will investigate Trump-era political interference on the science that informed White House policy. The Office of Science and Technology said it will form a task force to review federal government policies and make sure they, quote, prevent improper political interference. The CDC has extended the national ban on evictions through the end of June, citing a 1944 public health law. That eviction ban is intended to keep shelters and other temporary housing crowd free. Trump has launched a new website to, in part, rewrite histories of his presidency. The centerpiece of this site is an 885-word history of the presidency, listing the achievements of what it describes as, quote, the most extraordinarily political moment in history. In the statement, Trump claims he dethroned political dynasties, defeated the Washington establishment, and overcame virtually every entrenched power structure. Missing from the site is any mention of the facts he became the first president to be impeached twice, lost the popular vote twice, and saw 500,000 people die from the pandemic on his watch. It also does not mention he has been kicked off social media or that five died in a riot at the Capitol that he spurred on. However, visitors to the new website can book the former president and his wife Melania for personal appearances and greetings. Among such questions to be answered if you want to book them are, quote, will media be president? and whether any notable attendees are expected. Day 69, March 29th. The trial of former Minnesota police officer Derek Chauvin has begun. Chauvin is accused of murder in the death of George Floyd, a black man whose killing sparked international outrage. Prosecutors focused on bystander video of Floyd's death. The defense claims that Floyd died of a drug overdose and a heart condition. Meanwhile, groups of protesters gathered on the streets demanding justice. The trial of Chauvin will continue all week. President Biden announced an aggressive plan to expand wind farms along the East Coast in an effort to jumpstart the growth of wind power. The plan would generate 30 gigawatts of offshore wind power by the end of the decade that would power more than 10 million homes and cut 78 million metric tons of carbon dioxide. Wind power offshore is popular across Europe and Asia, but is yet to be widely used in the U.S. A public-private consortium is now working to develop a standard vaccine passport that would allow Americans to prove they have been vaccinated as businesses try to reopen. The passports, which are also expected to be rolled out in Europe and Britain, are expected to be required for airplane and train travel and by many major companies looking to return to in-office work. Those passports are likely to be rolled out as smartphone apps. In response, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said he would ban those passports even as he signed a bill designed to shield companies from pandemic-related lawsuits. Claiming the passports were, quote, completely unacceptable, DeSantis said an executive order was coming soon and he called for the legislature to pass a bill making his ban permanent. Other Republicans pointed out that Florida could not ban the passports or infringe on private businesses requiring them because Florida already requires written proof of vaccination of all children in both public and private schools. Legal experts also said DeSantis' order was absurd on its face. Day 70, March 30th. A key prosecution witness told the jury seated in the trial of former police officer Derek Chavon that he called 911 because he believed he had witnessed a murder. That testimony from bystander Donald Williams added that he had pleaded with the then Minneapolis police officer to stop as he knelt on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. In a riveting moment, the woman who filmed that assault, Darnella Frazier, said she still loses sleep apologizing to George Floyd for not doing more. Frazier's video incited worldwide protests, police tried to remove her from the scene at the time. Chauvin's trial continues this week. President Biden called on American governors and mayors to reinstate mask wearing orders, saying that because of reckless behavior, the coronavirus was again spreading. His words came after the head of the CDC warned of impending doom and a fourth viral surge. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, her voice audibly shaking, issued the warning after studies showed new variants were increasing exponentially in Florida and spreading nationwide due to spring breakers returning to their home states. Biden also announced that 90% of adults will now be eligible to get a coronavirus vaccine shot beginning on April 19th. Biden also announced plans to nominate 11 judges to federal courts, including D.C. District Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson to replace former Judge Merrick Garland, who is now the U.S. Attorney General. His nominees include three black women and could seat the first Muslim federal judge in the country's history, as well as the first American Asian woman to ever serve on the D.C. District Court. He also might put the first woman of color as a federal judge on the bench in Maryland. Trump's legal troubles deepen as the New York State Supreme Court said a defamation suit from a former contestant on his reality television show, The Apprentice, could proceed. That suit, filed by Summer Zervos, accuses Trump of having sexual harassment of her and then lying about it. Trump had previously tried to stop that suit, arguing that as president he was protected from legal action. Trump is now expected to be compelled to testify, under oath, about his responses to multiple accusations of sexual misconduct. A New York judge also nullified a confidentiality agreement signed in 2016 by Jessica Denson, who had worked on Trump's campaign that year as a phone bank supervisor and Hispanic outreach coordinator. Trump's campaign had won a $50,000 award against Denson after asserting that she had violated that agreement when she aired claims of mistreatment and sexual harassment. The court has already thrown out that award. Denson then sued on behalf of herself and other campaign aides who had been forced to sign confidentiality agreements by Trump. The New Yorker is reporting that a private conference call between Senator Mitch McConnell and the leaders of several prominent conservative groups, including one run by the Koch brothers, shows the far right is worried that proposed election reforms passed by Democrats in the House enjoy wide support not just from liberals, but from conservative voters, too. On the call, a senior Koch operative said that opponents would be better off simply ignoring the will of voters and trying to kill the bill in Congress. Grover Norquist was also quoted as saying of the financial disclosure requirements, quote, the left is not stupid, they're evil, they know what they're doing. They have correctly decided that this is the way to disable the freedom movement. In 2020, more than a billion dollars was spent by dark money groups that masked the identity of their donors. Of that total, more than $654 million came from just 15 groups. The top spender was One Nation, that is a dark money group tied to McConnell. Attorney General Merrick Garland directed Justice Department employees to examine the disturbing trend of violence against Asian Americans. The Biden administration has also reinstated and expanded the initiative on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders to include coordination across agencies in responding to anti-Asian bias and violence. And Florida Representative Matt Getz, who is a close ally of Trump, is now being investigated over an alleged sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. The Justice Department is investigating if Getz violated federal sex trafficking laws. The probe is also connected with a former ally of Getz's named Joel Greenberg, who was indicted last summer on the sex trafficking of a child. No charges have yet been brought against Getz. Getz told the AP the Justice Department said he was the subject, not the target of the investigation, and claimed he was the victim of an extortion plot. Getz is also possibly leaving Congress early for a job at Newsmax. Day 71, March 31st. pressure started to grow on Georgia and other Republican-controlled states as dozens of prominent black business leaders in America called on companies to fight a wave of restrictive voting bills. Those bills are being advanced in at least 43 states. The campaign appears to be the first time that many powerful black executives have been organized to directly call out their peers for failing to stand up for racial justice. Kenneth Cheneau, a former chief executive of American Express, said, quote, There is no middle ground here. You are either for more people voting or you want to suppress the vote. Delta and Koch also joined those calls for voting access. Biden signed a two-month extension of the Paycheck Protection Program, which was set to expire. The extension also gives the Small Business Administration an additional 30 days to process loans submitted before a new May 31st deadline. And two Capitol Police officers who were on duty during the deadly January 6th riot at the Capitol sued Trump, alleging that he was responsible for the physical and emotional injuries they suffered. James Blassingame and Sidney Hemby filed their complaint in district court in D.C. They're seeking damages in excess of $75,000, plus punitive damages. It is at least the fourth suit filed in connection with that riot day 72, April 1st, President Joe Biden unveiled a $2 trillion infrastructure plan that he called a a once-in-a-generation opportunity, a transformational plan that would radically upgrade the nation's infrastructure, build a new network of electric charging stations for cars, dramatically expand broadband access, and raise taxes on the wealthy and corporations. Few argue the USA needs an upgrade in its roads and transportation hubs, but Republicans called the taxes a non-starter. Under Trump, the corporate tax rate was halved from 35%. Biden is actually looking to just raise that back to 28%. Polling shows the plan is broadly popular. 43 states have now made all adults eligible for the vaccine in what is swiftly becoming a race against time and new COVID variants. The U.S. only has fully vaccinated about 16% of the population. is now combating a surge driven by new variants that have found purchase in Florida and the American West. Cases are up nationally this week by over 20%. COVID was the third leading cause of death last year in the USA, behind only cancer and heart disease. Republicans broadly dismissed the idea of vaccination passports, which are designed to ensure that people can safely return to normal activities. The Fox News-led blowback is based on the paranoid belief that the federal government will somehow try to control the population with these passports. How exactly that would happen is unclear. Prosecutors working for the Manhattan, New York District Attorney subpoenaed the personal bank records of the Trump Organization's chief financial officer. Alan Weisselberg is reportedly being scrutinized for gifts he received. The effort appears to be an attempt to gain his cooperation. The Pentagon threw out a Trump-era policy that banned transgender people from serving in the military. Biden also issued his first presidential proclamation. It formally celebrates a transgender day of visibility. 52% of Americans approve of the job Biden is doing as president. 72% of Americans approve of his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. 51% approve of his handling of the economy. 34% approve of his handling of immigration. These are The Biden Files.
0: Chicago singer-songwriter Lou Henise debuts new music this week only on Lumpen Radio. This is the world premiere of Bad Day from her forthcoming EP, Trial and Error.
4: Your sawtooth tooth
0: Curiosity.
9: Imagine science. The second thing I want to talk about is that there is a deficit um, of kids that are going into STEM fields these days, whether it's it's young kids, whether it's kids going off to college, whether it's kids enrolling in very specific high school programs. At every level, um, there is a deficit of kids going into STEM fields. And that's mostly because people have a very limited definition of what STEM means. We're seeing that People going into like hard science, hard engineering fields, and that's great. Um, but we're missing that there are we're ignoring very crucial job vacancies in STEM adjacent
10: fields. The, the shadow of the spheres of influence right. of STEM, the sh- sort of the umbra that's cast around right. these hard sciences, yes, these, these, these hard engineering.
9: Yeah, the, the umbrella term STEM is missing so many crucial job positions. In STEM, such as I mean, two two very common two very uh, you know uh, dramatic examples
10: are fields of medical test subjects and of course the field of gaming. Well, on that on that first one, medical test subjects, you know, it, it, it's been so de-emphasized to be a good subject in schools. You know, right. everyone can speak at length about what a control is a positive control a negative control right. what about being a control
9: yeah in i mean for example when you're when kids are doing science fair projects they're almost told that they're not allowed to do those projects on their younger brother or sister on their classmates they're they're not only discouraged but they're disallowed from doing stuff like that
10: and, and then you look at the individuals who go are left to do become test subjects to become research participants mm-hmm. and it goes to these sort of these 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 you know these lesser minded you know these humanities people right you have you have people that 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 you know that are they're out there um struggling that that fill these vacancies right and and and, and that's not what we need to be studying we exactly. shouldn't be studying the people that need to be study we should be studying people who are prepared to be studied. A-
9: a- exactly. Um it's people don't realize how much skill it takes to be a medical test subject.
10: Garbage in, garbage out. That's how it works, exactly. frankly. With even Th- with medical
9: with medical studies throughout the whole paper, frankly. Um but then of course there is that second one gaming. So many people miss gaming as a viable as a viable career path in STEM education. There are over 30 thousand jobs in gaming that go unfilled every single year which is why i want to announce right here on this broadcast of eureka cast now that i'm introducing the term stemg stemg which encompasses science technology engineering math and of course the crucial and often overlooked field of gaming
10: well, I don't know about that, Kai.
0: Eureka cast now, broadcasting Saturdays, 8 to 9 p.m. on Lumpen Radio. The Lumpen Week in Review is produced by the staff and volunteers of WLPN LP Chicago, the community radio of the future. The Week in Review is overseen by Jamie Trecker, voiceovers by Shanna Volt, additional production by Cole Eisenberg, Julie Wu, Sergio Rodriguez, Neil Gaynor, Lane Gerbig, Alexander Jerry, John Piotrowski, Ari Schellist, and Annie Klein. Live music production by Ari Schellist. The Lumpen theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. The Lumpen Radio Sting is by Dan Jugal. For more information on Lumpen Radio, visit (laughs) lumpenradio.com.